everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Community Connections podcast. I'm your host, Cole Warner, joined as always by my co-host, Emily Thomas. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. Thank you for listening. For today, we have a guest, Alina Craven. She is a child therapist. And um, this is a really neat episode because it's something different than we've been doing in the past. We're trying to uh, give some different topics. And I think we really hit on one here. But um, as a counselor by trade myself, I'm really excited to have a therapist on here with us. Hello, Alina. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah. So just a little bit of background on Alina. She is now a Davidson County uh, true and true lifer here, um, uh, having come to us a little bit later. But she is a LCSW and a registered play therapist. I'm getting her master's in social work from UNC Greensboro. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, she is a child therapist and the organization that she works with, Lorvin Child and Family Development. She wears a lot of hats, as she was telling us before, but today we're here to talk with her about play therapy. So um, Alina, if you can just explain a little bit about what play therapy is and, and sort of how you use it in practice. Play therapy is a modality that's generally used for children. We use it here between the ages of three and 11. Um, It is based off the idea that children know how to play. It's ingrained in them. It's a skill that they already have. So we're using a skill um, without having to teach them new skills because they don't have the cognitive ability to participate in our traditional um, cognitive behavioral therapy or DBT or anything like that. So um, we provide play therapy. So we use spaces that are conducive to small children. We provide toys that have a purpose and a place. Um, I think Gary Lander says it best. He goes, he says that um, birds fly, fish swim, children play. It's just something that they know how to do. Um, And we use that as a form of, or a way to teach them how to express themselves effectively or to process grief and loss or to just anything in their life. It just gives them an avenue to, for healing, for change. I'll follow up on that. I was reading on the website before um, we got on here and I noticed that there was some uh, line about how it provides psychological distancing from their problems, which is something that as someone who doesn't work with children, I've never thought about, but it's pretty scary to approach those topics. And so can you talk more about how it allow, gives them space to deal with that? A lot of times um, traumatic events or large life events are so big and so much that they're not able to really process them. So what a lot of children do is they use play as a way to kind of imagine different ways to process their feeling. They'll use figures, they'll use art, they'll use different things and take something that's large and abstract and make it concrete. And they'll use play, manipulatives, creative expression, role play, all of those things to process the event in their own way. And it helps them understand how they feel if they feel like it would need to change it, like if they could change it. Um, It just helps them understand where they are in their healing process. Um, it, it's really, really wonderful to see when they use toys and you can just see this beautiful child that is just expressing themselves. Um, you know, a lot of, you see a lot of sad things, you see a lot of happy things. Um, but they use toys to help just take these large ideas and feelings and just hold them in their hands and work through them. Um, 
and it can be very abstract. It's, it's not always literal. I know kids are not literal. Um, and that's why play is so wonderful because it gives them a place where they can use a skill that they have um, to really go work through these really complicated feelings, thoughts, ideas, um, events, all of that. Piggybacking off of something that you just said that really caught my attention was as you talked about seeing them express it in that play. I know that there's a lot of training involved into what you've done. How is it that you have come to be able to use that in order in a a therapeutic way, like recognizing that expression and then turning that into something therapeutic for the child? It is. It was a lot of training and a lot of understanding because I think, you know, we as people are taught to be so black and white. And so um, with play, there's a lot more room for creativity and expression and you just kind of have to, you know, we, we practice, I practice my favorite modality is child-centered play therapy, which comes from the idea that um, a child can lead their play, that they know where they're in most need of healing. And so my job is to provide a space for them where they feel safe enough to express sadness and anger and fear and, and all of these negative emotions that may have been unsafe in the past. So a lot of times I'm able to see through what toys they choose, how they use the toys, um, what, I mean, just how they express themselves, what words they choose, how their demeanors change throughout play. Um, a lot of times we call these themes in play. That's how we, how we track progress, how we track where a child is and kind of what they're doing. And themes are very, that's, it's just a different way of saying like what they're doing. Um, but, you know, grief and loss, trauma, um, anger, transitional times is a big one. Um, just you can tell a lot. There's change in family dynamics. You can see that a lot in play. Um, just them understanding things that have happened and why they've happened. And then they use their toys to create a story a lot of times. And in that story, you can see where they are in the story. You can see where they need to heal and they are able to create a safe place where they can lead that healing and just work on this transition to, to learn how to cope and to let that out in a safe place where they know they're not in trouble. No one's going to hurt them. There's no consequence for it. And it's, they call it the unconditional positive regard for a child. Um, it's just creating that happy, caring, supportive environment that a child needs. And some, unfortunately, not every child has that. So it's been really great to grow as a therapist also and just realize how much play has helped and how much it's needed in our community. I know every, just like us, every child is unique. So is there a period at the beginning where you're trying to figure out what toys you're going to use or are there certain things you use for certain issues or how does that work? So a, a traditional playroom is stocked with there's certain toys. Everything in here has a purpose. And the way that we do it is we give them lots of choices. There's lots of places that they can kind of move and decide where they want to play. Um, in the beginning, it takes an average three to five sessions for a child really to understand that wait, like I, I can touch that and I don't have to ask permission. I'm allowed to use whatever I need to use, however I need to use it. Um, and once they understand the process of it, it really encourages them to just express themselves and be creative and just think of different ways to do things. Um, there's different categories in play. And it, it, what that's a big part of the training is understanding what you put in a playroom, how it's used, um, 
the purpose of the toys and kind of understanding why that's in there and the theme of it that goes with it and how it leads to the healing, how, um, you know, initially a child comes in and they just see this room full of wonderful things to use. Well, I know that everything I've put in here has a purpose and is here to help them go through their healing process. Um, and that, I think that's part of all that training that you go into just understanding why toys are so important and how you choose them and, and what they purpose they serve. You said a minute ago, sort of how you've recognized that. I imagine, you know, just having, having worked with children myself, one of the things that can be difficult is communicating with parents. And I imagine in this situation, it's even more so because you're doing something that really you have to have a, a set of, of skills to be able to recognize and work with. How is it difficult to communicate with parents? Like, you know, they care and, and love their their children, their child or their loved one, you know, whatever it is that is in their life that they're bringing to this, they want to see improvement. You said three to five sessions. This is a long-term type thing. And what can, how do you communicate the expectations? Absolutely. That's something, you know, I think educating a parent in the beginning when they come in and saying, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is what it looks like. Um, you know, that's really important in them understanding the process and and why we do. I take a lot of time to say why I play is, is recommended for this age. Uh, I compared a lot to school learning. You know, when a child is younger, they do a lot of tactile learning. That's how they process. That's how they understand. So why should it be any different in therapy? So it, it's kind of like the, and they tend to really connect with that. And I do keep an open line of communication um, as best as I can. But at, at the same time, you know, I really do encourage the parents to let them have their time. Um, this is the one space where they are able to have some control over what they do and how they do it. And I think that's really important for them to understand, wait, if I tell you, I'm really mad at mom, you're not going to go to tell her. So I don't hurt her feelings. And those are valid feelings. And I tell the parent, you know, you know, that your child's upset that you took their toy away or they have a consequence. And so I don't feel like I need to share that with you if it's something, um, you, you know, so I just feel it's really important for the parent to understand the purpose of the space and the purpose of you know, they're here because they need some help processing or working through something. And I'm going to help them the best way that I can. And this is how I feel that I can help. Um, and generally, once I take the time with a parent to really explain what I do, they're really receptive to it. Um, I think it's just when you hear play, it's like, okay, well, they're just going to know that's not all it is. And so once I explain what I do and the purpose of it, they seem to be much more um, engaged and just aware and willing to participate in it. I think that I can imagine that would be hard to explain what's taken you so many years to learn and to learn how to practice that, to explain it in such a short amount of time. Um, I know you said earlier that this is primarily used for ages three to 11. Um, is that like the cutoff or is, do you find that sometimes it's applicable to other ages? I think it could definitely go much more than that. I you know, I do at that range just because of my space. I think when you get to the older ages, you need different things um, to do it. And it's, it becomes more of an interactive, more than just play therapy. Um, but it's still kind of the same idea. I think sand tray, there's something called sand play. That's kind of a play between sand tray and play therapy mixed together. Um, that's very common, especially with older, uh, more of our middle schoolers kind of age. Um it's just such a good skill. I and mean, people don't realize how 
useful that skill is and how, um, you know, I don't have to teach a child how to do that. They can come in and ready be experts. And that's super important for them. And three to 11 is it technically from research shows that you can start as early as one and a half. We do three partly because of insurance limitations too. a lot of places won't pay until three. Um, and it's just processing it. We find more progress at three and 11 is more just because of the space that I have. And that's just my specialty. Um, but that's where you get your traditional play is going to be more in that age. Um, and then you can get more creative and, and have other modalities once they get a little bit older. You know, when we, we talked about having, um, you on and, and specifically discussing this topic. One of the reasons that drove it is being a counselor myself, um, you know, talk therapy is what we do with, you know, adults. And you mentioned some interventions um, early on, right? More of our cognitively focused interventions is what a lot of what you get, especially in the realm that I work in with grief and loss, right? Um, there, you know, I had, a, I had a professor once that said that play therapy is the most effective uh, treatment modality for children of, of the age group that you're talking about. And yet hardly, I, I don't even fully understand it myself. And I know that a lot of people that maybe have never been to a therapist or don't know a therapist might not fully understand it. So if you were talking to somebody who is, you know, really completely, uh, you know, doesn't have any knowledge of play therapy. What are a couple of the main highlights that you would say the children see benefits in early on, you know, in that progress? Um, there is, you know, I practice child-centered play therapy, which is a modality that has just a very basic skill. Like we always build self-esteem and self-worth. We always encourage, you know, passing on accountability to them, teaching them those skills. We always encourage emotional vocabulary growth, those types of things. So that's a very basic skill that you don't, that children don't always have. And so every child can benefit from that. And a lot of times there's other things that layer on top of it, but we, every child that leaves this playroom will get those basic skills and also, and probably work through um, other things if needed. And I think, you know, sitting and talking to a child, they don't enjoy that. They don't want to participate. And, and children, if they don't enjoy something, they're not going to do it. And so play is a way for them to learn new skills, to participate, and to really enjoy the process and really engage in the process and have a space where, you know, it's their space. It's their safe space. No one's going to hurt their feelings. No one's going to give them a consequence or anything like that, but they can be who they are 100% and know that they are accepted. And so um, these are all things that people don't, you may get in a more, when you're older, you get that from your therapist, you get that positive, you get that support, that non-judgment, children don't have the same space. And so as a play therapist, I think it's so important for people to understand that child deserves that too. And so my job is to provide that for them. And a lot of times we use toys because they like it and it's fun and it's a way that they communicate. Um, and most people who come in, you know, our parents, they do, when I start breaking down the understanding of learning at a child age, they, they really get it. And so, um, even straight out of school, some of the, uh, newer clinicians, I mean, they, they understand that I can't sit and talk to a four-year-old on and have a really deep conversation because they're more interested in what's outside the window. So, but in here, they're able to be the expert 
be in charge and just show me what they need and how they need it. And so, um, it's just, I think people were so taught in school to be very like solution focused and short term and things like that. Play therapy is a different way of thinking. And that's why, you know, we do work really hard to have the RPT and the credentials and all of that, because it's important for people to know that this is, this is hard and it's different and it's special. I know that I'm sure at the beginning, you know, you set goals or what you're working towards. What is the normal duration of how long the kid comes? Um, what does that look like? Um, average is about 12 to 15 sessions. Um, sometimes less, sometimes more. Um, we try to keep it about 15, but then there's situations a lot of times where they will, um, leave and maybe come back for shorter amount of sessions. If something else happens, like if they have a new baby in the household or maybe there's a new relationship or they have some change, sometimes they'll come, but those are generally four or five sessions and then they're done. So I try to keep it between 12 and 15, just um, to make sure that their goals and, and a realistic expectation, I think. Emily and I work with uh, patients with life-limiting illness and their families. And of course, there's children in every family that we work with. You know, sometimes we're able to provide really great resources for those children, right? Can you, you know, and other times it it might be a little bit more difficult. So I was going to ask you a little bit about in terms of grief and loss or, 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 you know, the anticipation of loss for children. Is play therapy helpful for that? And if so, in what ways? I, we do get a lot of grief and loss and processing that loss. I think, you know, death and is such a, a large and such an abstract idea. Children tend to be very, very concrete. And so, you know, a lot of times through play, they take these really big ideas. Like how is someone here, but not physically here? How is someone in heaven, but not here with me? And so, or how someone an angel, but I'm not able to see them. And so, you know, we, we process a lot of, the, of, um, and a lot, if someone is ill, that causes a lot of anxiety. We do see a lot of that too. Um, just the whole process and the change and just that anticipation, as you said, um, uh, they, a lot of times we'll use figures and in, in play to take that idea of passing and kind of make it more concrete and they can process it with their hands. And that can look like, Dr. Kitts is a really popular one with grief and loss, kind of processing like the doctor tried to save them, but they weren't. Um, I do a a lot of sand play. Sand is very soothing. It's very, um, it gives them like a concrete thing to touch and you can bury things in them and they can come back and they can go and they can come back and they can go. And it's just them understanding how is someone here, but not here. Um, and, and those types of ideas. So they use play to kind of just work through the ideas and just the feelings of, wait, this person's not here anymore, or um, this, I'm really worried about this person, things like that. It just comes out in a way of them trying to handle their emotions. And I help them put words to it. And I help them understand that, you know, it's okay to be like, be sad and it's okay to be confused and it's okay to feel this way. Um, but it gives them a way to make these big, huge concepts, just more concrete to the point intangible where they can touch it and just understand where they are in their process. Um, cause they, they grieve just like you and I, it just looks different. Um, so I think play just gives them that opportunity to really just use their hands and their minds to create different ways of understanding bereavement and grief. 
I've honestly never thought about that and think that it sounds extremely beneficial. And I wish someone would have sent me to play therapy when I was a kid. Cause when I lost a family member, you know, it was just such a crazy concept for me and I had no idea how to process that. Um, so that's awesome. Um, and one of the things I want to ask, which we've asked on almost every episode, no matter who we're talking to. Um, and I think it would be especially important for this due to the hands-on aspect is how has COVID affected what you do? So it's definitely changed how we do things. Um, telehealth play therapy is doable, but not recommended, I guess you could say. Uh, we are fortunate enough that we're in a very small um, office, so there's never really a lot of people here. So we've done things. We've closed our waiting rooms. We have temperature checks. We were masked. The children were masked. Um, we sanitized between every single session. We took a lot of things out of our playroom that weren't wipeable or sprayable. Uh, but I honestly came back to work not too shortly after COVID. We went on shutdown for a while, and I, I've been working the whole time just because the need is so significant. And it's been, you know, we have been so busy and our community is in such great need and not a lot of people see young kids. So, um, they're having a really hard time right now. So we felt that it was really important. We take the extra time and effort to clean and sanitize and be present for them. Um, I've made the sessions a little bit shorter just because I have to be able to clean everything and make sure that everybody's safe. Um, and everyone is, has, is wonderful with it. They wear their masks, no questions. They're respectful of, you know, the time and all of that. They're just happy. I guess that their child's being seen and not through a camera because when you're little, it's just not the same. It's not the same as being in front of someone and having toys to play with. And it's just not the same. So, you know, uh, so it's, you know, before we wrap up here, yeah, I was, a lot of this stuff I've been fascinated about since we started talking because I know that there are families within our reach of patients and organ, you know, within our organization that their families could have really benefited from something like this. And I know how many you were just talking about how many people in the community can benefit. And, you know, one important note I want to, I want to take, we've, we've talked about it a couple of times, but the, the training and the, credentialing that you have gone through makes you an expert in a field. And I think it's really important to make sure that because with everyone out here, you know, trying to get access to healthcare and mental health care and all of that, you want to make sure that you're seeing somebody that is um, qualified and an expert in what they do. And so you and your office is that. Um, and it's important to, to recognize that because it is important to see somebody who has the experience and the training that can help guide your family and your child through a, you know, a, a difficult issue or a, a difficult set of behaviors or symptoms that are going on. And I think it's really important. So I just want to point that out that, you know, having that registered play therapist be the one providing the play therapy, um, you know, sort of platform um, is super important um, and is, is really key to uh, the work you do. I mean, I'm not off there, am I, Alina? No, not at all. You know, I've put a lot of time and energy into this because I want people to receive the best care possible. And I think 
you know, when we hear play therapy, I want them to understand that this is something, this is a specialty and it's something that um, all of the RPTs, we are fortunate to have three at our agency, which is a lot. Um, and there aren't too many in the triad in general. So uh, there's a couple in Greensboro and Winston, but to have three in one location, to have a, a facility that is geared towards children and play um, is, is really rare. And so we definitely have a need in our community and we work really hard to meet that need, whether it's here, whether it's at schools, um, contracts with other agencies to help provide services to their children. Uh, you know, I just want people to know that yes, an RPT, we do train other therapists to do play here. Um, but if it's something that you're really interested in, it is a lot of work and extra trainings. Um, and it, it's worth it to me. I thought it was, it's something that I truly think we'll never, we will always have children. We will always have a need for this. And so I know that I, by doing this training, I'm going to provide my clients with the best care possible. Um, with my skill set. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on with us today. And um, I know that you all are very busy. We will um, put the, the link to uh, Alina's organization in the description of this episode. So you can just check out where she's, uh, where she practices at and sort of what they're doing. Um, but I know that they're very busy and it's important that uh, if you are interested in getting your child into seeing a child uh, therapist, a, a play therapist in particular, um, you know, there's lots of resources out there and you can check those out. So Alina, thank you so much for coming on with us today and sharing your uh, expertise with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I love talking about play. So it's okay. I enjoyed it. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you like what you heard, you can rate, review, subscribe, uh, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, or our website, hospiceofdavidson.org.